This is Kelly Carlin, and welcome to Waking from the American Dream. I want to say that I haven't been around a lot lately. I get it. Uh, as you know, we've all been pandemicking. And uh, for me, that has meant uh, confu- confusion a bit about what the hell am I doing with this podcast. But every once in a while, a person comes my way and has the perfect thing to talk about. And this is the exact conversation I always want to have in this space. And so today's guest is one of those people. And not only is she one of those people, but she actually couldn't have come at a better time for all of us because we've all got this like year-long hangover (laughs) about life. And probably most of us are either A, in total uncertainty about how do we do this next thing, which is the new normal, which I hate that phrase, but that's kind of what it is. Or some of us have been in a shit show of a year and just want to find like a thread of ourselves again. And for me, I feel particularly excited about my guest being here because even though I've been super busy the last three or four years, I mean, I've been productive and busy and doing things that absolutely make a difference, working with my clients and making me feel useful. But I have to say that about five years ago, I came to the end of my own 15-year journey. And it was a journey that there was this large force in my body that pulled me forward through it. I didn't know where I was going to end. I didn't know what it was going to look like, but I just knew I had to follow this force. And it took me through uh, practicing Buddhism and going to grad school and writing a first version of my solo show and and then getting um, serious about my storytelling and, uh, you know, starting to do that a little bit. And then when my dad died, it pulled me out of the shadow and into the limelight onto a stage where I did a bigger solo show had a tour and ended up having my memoir published, which was my big, big, big dream. And that all happened. And then about a year after my book was published and the paperback came out and the solo show stopped touring, I had the big, now what? (laughs) There was nothing pulling me. So, you know, I've kind of been there the last few years. Like I said, I've been busy, I've been productive, but I haven't felt my my soul pull, my my thread, my whatever that thing is. And so I'm really, really excited about this person who's joining me today. My guest today is Victoria Labom, and she's someone I met a few summers ago on a boat in the middle of Lake Chautauqua. (laughs) We were both at Chautauqua for Comedy Week, uh, which is, as you know, co-sponsored by the National Comedy Center. And even though we both have serious connections and relations in some ways to uh, very successful people in the comedy world, uh, she and I connected on a whole different level. She began to share a little bit about what she does in the world, and I could tell immediately that she was connected to a spark, to life in all caps, and that she was fearlessly in service of others, finding that spark, keeping it lit, and help them to feel confident so that they can really share their work into the world and have a real impact. And that all those things are like, yes, me too. Love that. Like mission, life mission stuff going on. Victoria is known as a keynote speaker. She's a performing artist, an actress, a performance coach. She helps organizations and like big wig fucking individuals, you know, step up through her amazing work. She's got three big things she does called Risk Forward, Rock the Room, Through Line, all things you're going to learn about. She's a graduate of Stanford, which, eh, you know, I'm a Bruin, whatever. Um, (laughs) She's also a critically acclaimed director and producer, author of visual book series, and two online learning programs, and over 20 years in performing arts from Broadway to comedy, comedy clubs, which means stand-up, hello, landmark films, all sorts of things. She helps people awaken their hidden genius and perform at their highest levels. And she has transformed hundreds of thousands of people around the globe. When you watch her videos, you're like, oh, rock stars in the room. Totally. This week, though, she's here because she's got a book out, and it's called Risk Forward. And I'm really excited 
to talk to her and honored that she is here because I know she's probably spending time with all sorts of fancy pants people. So welcome, Victoria, to the podcast. So happy you're here. It's, it's so great to make this, I mean, it was two years ago, almost two years ago, when we were at Chautauqua and had this quick meeting. And, uh, and so it's just so lovely to finally really sit down and talk about your, the depth of your work and really what you're up to and the, just the insides and outsides of it. Um, one of the things, I mean, one of the main things you talk about in the book is this well, the title, Risk Forward, right? And it's it's such a, a beautiful phrase. And I'm so curious about it. What does, for you, Risk Forward mean? Yeah, well, it means going forward even when you don't fully have the plan figured out. Mm-hmm. It means trusting that you will find your way and that things will unfold. Uh, we live in a world that prizes clarity and goal setting and decisiveness. And people often feel like if they don't have a plan and if they're not clear or their goal isn't big enough, that somehow they're bereft or less than or not measuring up. And, and uh, it's so counterproductive. And so I really wanted to write a book to give people the permission to not know or the permission to go forward, even if they haven't figured it all out. Yeah. You, you know what I, I love about it is that and I was just talking to my clients about this last week on a big call. I was talking about this, this horrible pressure to, to get it right. You know, like, like if you're going to move towards a goal or you've got a dream or, or whatever you're about to, you know, jump into, we think there's this like one right way to do it. And, and I think we're like trained through education, like, oh, you get all the answers on the test and you get an A and there's a one right way to get the A, you know, or through religion, you know, like, oh, here are the things you shouldn't be doing. <laughs> These will not get you into heaven. <laughs> and so we have this unconscious bias that we don't even see about like, oh, there's got to be one right way to do this. And and I work with so many people, as you, I'm sure you do too, where just get stuck in the paralysis of, I don't even want to start because I think whatever my first step is going to be, it has to be the perfect first step. Yeah. And that's exactly it. I mean, there's so many people who stop themselves early on uh, because they not only can't see the end, but they have an end in mind that isn't what they want. Mm. So, I mean, comedy is a good example. I have a, a friend of mine who she has a nine to five, but she's always wanted to be a comedian and performer. And right now with the pandemic going on and she's got two young kids, she said, Victoria, I, I mean, it's not worth doing because look, I, what, there are no comedy clubs that are open. I can't leave my kids. And she's already decided because the end goal that she's able to conceive in her mind isn't one that appeals to her or seems feasible. She's not even going to start. And I said, you don't know where something's going to go. Like just start making little videos. Just start trying that. You can do it in your living room and see how it unfolds. Yeah, you know, it's funny when I think about my own dad's career, you know, I, and it's it's so strange too because I lived it with him. Like I was there when it all happened, but in my mind, it always looked like he just always knew what the next perfect step was. You know, it just looked like, oh, it, it, there was some sort of great plan. And in some ways he had this kind of, kids plan which was like you know I'll become a DJ and then a stand up and then and then Danny K like that was his life project you know project uh, whatever that word is um but you know and of course it didn't end up that way but um but it is a try I mean all life is trial and error really ultimately right i mean <laughs> yeah right right and well and also because i mean one of the reasons i wrote this is that as i was teaching people performance and uh, really communication skills around the world. And I was working with entrepreneurs and executives and scientists and consultants and speakers and artists. I would attend these conferences and often personal or business development. And there was all that, you know, you got to be clear, you got to have goals. And then privately people would whisper to me, you know, I'm not sure. Or <laughs> I would listen to the top executive. I would sit with them at lunch or we'd hang out for a drink and they'd say, yeah, you know, I, I can't believe I'm here. I never expected I'd be here. And they would reveal that they, they found their career 
by not knowing exactly what was next. Of course, there are periods of clarity, yeah. but there are periods when we don't know. And that's really what the book is about. How do we handle those in-between moments, whether we're going through a divorce or going through a health crisis or our kid's just out of college and the kid's not sure what's next, or we're in a career transition, we're facing an artistic project and we don't know how to move through. It's for all those moments, that in-between, that not knowing. And, and what do you think in that space, what is it that we have to trust or lean into in that moment? Yeah, it's the, it can sometimes be the tiniest whisper of an idea. Mm. You know, just that flicker that goes across your mind uh, and you often dismiss it because you think, well, other people must have it or maybe it's not really going to make sense. And those are what I call your hidden genius. You know, those mm. little wisps are your hidden genius at work. And if we can sort of latch onto them, I mean, we've all, if we all look back at our lives and some of the best things we've done, they, they frequently began with that little wisp. So it really is trusting that, that really that small voice inside of us that gets um, either, like you said, gets either pushed aside because it's like, oh, well, that's just my idea. Like, how could that be anything interesting? Or or it doesn't look like the big five-year plan. Or it might sound crazy to other people. I mean, I think that's always my fear is like, oh, that's just crazy. Like, I, <laughs> people are going to make fun of me. Right. When I say to, when I work with my clients, I sometimes say the weirder, the better, the crazier, the, like the weirder, the better, because not that we want to be weird to be weird. Right. If that idea came to you and it's outside the norm, I mean, uh, there's a sequence in the book you've seen where I have these just because statements. There's six just because statements. And one of them is just because no one else is doing it doesn't mean it's a bad idea. In fact, hello. <laughs> So when you have that crazy idea and you're like, well, no one else is doing that. Like that's, and those are the things that we remember in life. The things that other people have done that we go, that was really cool. And I'm not talking about taking over the Capitol and being insurgent. You know, I'm, talking about, <laughs> right? I'm not talking about like that kind of weirdness. I'm talking, I'm talking about, you know, really honoring your creative ideas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is really interesting how, I mean, I, I think about, I struggle with this, this kind of these two things I kind of go back and forth in, which is the part of me that worships those individuals, like those really, like Georgia O'Keeffe's one of my heroes, right? I mean, here's a woman who like, you know, I'm going to the desert to paint, you know, <laughs> I'm leaving your family, darling, and your crazy shit and, and, and New York, the art scene in New York, and I'm going to the desert where there is nobody yet. Like, it's not a thing yet. Uh, you know, and and she followed it and is like, and I'm going to paint pictures of flowers or bones or the hills. And and so there's like this individual thing that I like worship. And then, but the other thing that does come in for me is that thing about conformity. It really is like, oh, I'm so afraid to, I want that so much. And then when it comes to actually stepping up, the thing that stops me is the it's going to be weird or people are going to think I'm crazy or no one else has this idea or this isn't a career plan. <laughs> Absolutely. Abs I know. I know. I, we all have that. I have that too. But I think the way forward is really just these, what I call micro risks. Um, mm. And sometimes they turn into something bigger, Yeah, you know, and, and that gives us confidence. Like every time we do something like that, even if it's a small one, like a new dish that you cook or you buy something that like you don't normally wear, you're like, wow, this is kind of fun. Those things build confidence and uh, we get better. The, the muscle grows. Yeah, I, I love the micro steps. I'm such the person who's like always telling my clients, like, it doesn't have to be this big. It can be the smallest gesture, the smallest commitment to something. The, the yes, you know, really saying the yes to something. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about... Uh, the uh, I love this trust the idea that can lead to the idea. I mean, this is part of what we're talking about right here, but it's it's such a permission statement. It really is. Yeah, it's something I came up with and I've used with organizations and teams around the world. And what it does, uh, and for anyone listening here, the way I use it is I say to people who are whether they're with colleagues or a team or even their family and friends, and they have an idea 
but it's not yet fully formed or they're a little bit shy about it or they don't want to be embarrassed or it might seem a little outside the box. You simply say, all right, I have an idea. It may not be right, but it could be the idea that leads to the idea. Mm. And when you say that, it could be the idea that leads to the idea. It immediately disbands any potential judgment from those people, right? It just takes it away and it prompts them to start thinking of how your idea might inspire one of their own. So Mm. it does two things at once. It protects you and it prompts them. And that's very powerful. Yeah, and I think it's also a real honoring of how how creativity actually really does work, uh, not only in, inside of our brains, but in relationship, in collaboration, but even thinking about how nature works. You know, it's like nature builds from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. It, nature doesn't sit there and go, okay, we're going to have this planet in a couple of billion years. And so we're just, we've got this vision for the planet. We know exactly the lockstep we got to do. No, evolution is tr- freaking, you know, okay, we're going to do this. Oh, this is successful. Oh, look where we're going now. We're going over here. And and it it is, there's, there's something about lowering the stakes in that, that uh, is, is so important to the creative process. You know, I'm a big proponent of uh, Anne Lamott's shitty first drafts. Of course. Like without shitty first drafts, there would be no writing in my life. <laughs> because if, if I can't sit down every day, even if I'm in edit mode or wherever I'm in the process, if I can't say, all right, 30 minutes of shitty first draft, like I can throw this away so easily in 30 minutes. And I'd say, you know, eight or nine out of 10 times, there's always something in it that's propels me to the very next thing. Yeah. I love that. And for, and for you, Victoria, you know, as you've been developing these ideas and working with um, colleagues and peers and, you know, all sorts of people, but even earlier on in the process with this, what was it like for you? I mean, you didn't like come out birthed and say, I've got these, you know, this, these ideas and these concepts and stuff like that. What has it been like for you to, to walk your path and discover how to talk about even what it is you do? Yeah. Uh, well, my path was an unusual path. I think everyone's is an unusual path. We all have something in our path that surprises us, you know, it could be part of your childhood or something that, you don't see coming in your later life. We all have those stories. But for me, you know, I grew up with a lot of people who were very clear around me. You know, they seem to have the more traditional path of, of going to school and then becoming a doctor, a lawyer, a business person, signing up for some track. And I didn't have that. You know, we are similar in that way, Kelly. You know, I was an artist, a performer, a writer, a comedian, a, a physical artist, um, a painter. And I just didn't really know where things were going. And people started to give me a hard time about that. And this Mm. is a story I tell in the book. Uh, But little by little, it started to unfold. And I I couldn't have seen where things would go. But because of my work, someone saw me in a comedy club. They said, you should come and be a speaker. And I thought, I don't want to do that. That's cheesy. I don't want to be a motivational speaker. I want to be famous, you know. (laughs) But I, because of a few things that happened in my life, which I share in the book, I ended up giving it a shot and it was really fun. Mm. And I helped the speakers with their expression and storytelling and physicality and connecting with an audience. And that led to working with teams and leaders. And, and all along the way, people kept saying, how'd you get to where you are? What was your plan? And I didn't have a plan. It just mm. was one thing into the next. And So really, when I say to people what I do to answer your question, like, how do I explain it? I just, I say, well, I, I, uh, I help people risk forward and Mm -hmm. rock the room on stage, on camera in meetings and in life. And so in any way that really helping people bring out the best in themselves, Mm. but yeah, it's, uh, it's been an incredible journey and it's brought me to amazing people. I could never have expected I'd meet like you. Yeah. Yeah. I've got that beautiful image you talk about in the book, um, training with Marcel Marceau and, 
uh, I want your full memoir, by the way, someday. Like, I'm hoping you get we get the full, full, full story because I know you've got lots of amazing experiences, and I love just watching people walk through um, the messy parts too. You know, just to be like in the confusion. But there's that beautiful that beautiful image of him teaching you that 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 step into that space, that tentative foot. Um, and if you go onto Victoria's website, and we'll put that in the show notes, um, you'll see a great video where you actually kind of act this out, this 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 step, this very, you know, kind of precarious step forward, but then this chest open, open to life part of it. And, and it really, you know, that is the moment where we are so vulnerable. And yet, if you're alive, you have no choice but to take that step. What are we going to do? Not take the step? Right, right, you know? right, exactly. And completely. And part of what I want the book to do and what it seems to be doing from the people who have experienced it, and you used this word earlier, is permission. Yeah. Because I think part of what makes us scared to take a step is that we feel like it, number one, has to pan out. Yeah. And we have to know why and where it's going. And so this book removes that pressure and says, you know, you can take the step for no other reason than you want to take the step. You don't have to defend it. You don't have to explain it. You don't have to prove it. You don't have to have a plan. You can just take the step. And that, the, the number one thing people have said reading the book is, oh my God, I feel like permission. And yeah. that relaxation and sort of psychological safety actually allows them to do those creative uh, plans or ideas or projects. One thing that bothers me so much in the self-help personal development world is people are like, go for your goals, dream big, go big or go home and have the big hairy goal. And I think that is great for some people, but I think it freaks a lot of other people out. <laughs> and they're like, well, I'm not big. Maybe I should just go home, go big or go home. I'm, is it too small? Or, you yeah. know, is my hairy goal not big and hairy enough? Or, you know, what if I don't want to leap for the net to appear? Maybe I just want to take a little step. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of that's okay. Yeah. And it's so true, you know, because I work with such a, 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 a range of clients myself. Like I know you work with people who've got a lot of ambition. You work with ambitious people and ambitious people have big visions and they're, you know, even if they don't, even if it is the CEO in the hallway, like, I don't really know how I got here type of a thing. But those kind of people generally have this, you know, they want to make a big dent in the world for whatever reason. And I talk to my clients all the time and I talk about dreaming because a lot of the women I work with have been in, in, in stuck in their roles. They've been in role-playing mode, mother, wife, uh, lawyer, career track, whatever it is. And they, and they haven't shown up yet in their life. And, and I talk about dreaming to them and a lot of them have lost that ability to dream. And I say to them, look, this doesn't mean you have to be Oprah Winfrey or run for president. You know, it can be like, what's the thing that's going to bring you, like, that you feel like you're in relationship with your real life even, you know? So so whatever, whatever this is. And then I know for me, because I'm one of those people that was born with ambition. You know, my dad was a super ambitious person. And I know I got that from him. And being in the shadow of that, that's affected me. But I do want to make a big dent in the world. But I also know that I can't start unless I'm willing to take the small risk or the small step or or the awkward one. I mean, it really is the awkward one in the end. Yeah. So no matter whether it's like, you know, I want to I want to learn how to, uh, you know, I want to I want to learn Moroccan cooking you know, or I want to build a spaceship, like whatever the fuck it is, there's always that, that, that awkward little moment there of like, yes, okay. <laughs> and, and that's what, and that's what I, I love about this, because you can really apply it to all those kind of things. And you were, yeah, and you were talking about in the book, which I loved the way you articulated it, because I was talking about it in my introduction. And it is something I've thought about it in a very visual way too, but you talk about it as the through line, like an actor's, a character's through line, like what pulls them through the story? What is their motivation? And as actors, 
we're always taught, you know, find that intention of your character because that's what's setting them on course, right? It's a dramatic thing that we use. And yet there is something, if you're willing to slow down enough and listen to it, that is calling you forth. And and I used to talk to my clients about it, that there's, there's some ways in which we feel pulled by life and other ways we feel pushed by life. And I'm always trying to turn them on to the pulling. Like, what's this thing that's like a magnetic life force that's like, I cannot help myself. Uh, and, and when you look at your life and your through line from stage actress to performer to comedian, I mean, you know, a lot of the visual, a lot of the performing art stuff uh, and of course, you know, being a speaker, I get it. Like when I'm a speaker, it's it's just a different modality you're doing a little bit. But this other work of like breaking down the creative process and all of that, I'm just wondering like how that through line has worked for you. Has that always been your mind and your process? Well, I don't know if it's been conscious and that's part of what I say in the book and um I, I do call it the through line and in all of my, just as an aside, by the way, to talk about this, the lexicon of the word through line, and then we'll go into sort of how it's been in my life. But I did talk about it as the through line and that character's driving force for, for many, many years. I mean, 15 years in my keynotes. What I started to find though, for many people is they, they latched onto it. They love the concept of through line, but then sometimes especially in my program, Rock the Room, where I teach people how to rock it, they would start thinking it was the theme or the topic. And I was like, no, 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 it's this sense of continuity. And so then for this book, for two reasons. One is everyone started talking about through a line. I mean, people who are my clients started putting it in their books, which really bothered me. And I was like, wait a second. They're like, oh, I got this from you and it's in their book. So I was like, all right, I'm renaming it to the inner current because Uh that also really mm-hmm. helped people get this concept that it was a sense of continuity. It wasn't a theme. It wasn't a goal. It wasn't a topic. It was this inner force that was continuing like the current in a river. So for me, the way that's shown up is, you know, there's so many projects. Everything I've done was the result of that following that force. Everything I've done that's good. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Mm-hmm. So like when I went to study with Marcel Marceau, I was just compelled to use your word I was magnetized in that direction. It was a magnetic pull. People said, oh, you're going to be a mime? And I said, no, I'm not going to be a mime. I just want to go and do this for reasons I couldn't explain. Yeah. How are you going to make money, they said. You're going to, how are you going to make money out of that? Well, who would have known that that fact that I'd studied with Marcel Marceau, which gave me physical presence on stage and an analogy to talk about mime and the way mimes think of breaking down a scene is the way you as a salesperson have to think about breaking down your, and who would have wow. thought that I would yeah. be using mime as an analogy to teach sales or that I would have <laughs> CEOs of companies coming up to me and saying, I love that mime piece. Can you do more of that in your next keynote? Right. Who would have thought, I mean, I probably made more money off of that than, <laughs> than had I gone to business school. So the point is, you know, that or, you know, as you know, I produced a film a few years ago called Muppet Guys Talking. And I had spent time around the original Muppet performers, thanks to being around my husband, who was at that time my boyfriend. And, you know, I'd never produced a documentary. I didn't grow up with the Muppets. I had no business doing this. But I thought this is something that I feel that I'm compelled to record mm-hmm. because I feel like I shouldn't be the only person hearing these conversations from the original Muppet performers about Jim Henson and leadership and creativity. And so I said, this should be recorded, even though it was quote off track from my career. I felt like it was important and I honored that. And, you know, it wasn't always easy. You know, I times got panicky because here I was way off track, quote unquote, from my career. But what it did in terms of the effect from the audience's perspective, the results, what it meant for having some record of these conversations, but also just on a personal level, how much I learned and grew and understood about the process and about running a team of 19 people. We had all these people supporting the launch to the media because we had a lot of media attention. All of that benefited me in ways I couldn't have anticipated. So when people said, oh, you're going to be like a documentary film producer now, like they wanted to label me. It's like, no, I'm just doing this project now. 
And that's the other thing that I think holds people back is that sense of identity. Like if it's outside your identity, whether it's the way you dress, like, oh, I would never quote wear that. Or if it's a project that you're doing, I can't define this within what I've been before. Um, that's problematic. And there's a section in the book where I say, you know, our pasts can hold us back, not just our successes or rather our failures, but our successes too. Because we say, oh, I've been successful. I'm known for this. This is how people understand me. Therefore, I have to continue in that track. And that, uh, that kind of pressure to not try something different is what really holds back our hidden genius. And yeah. this book is meant to give, as I said, that permission to say, I'm going to do it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just really hits on, <clears throat> hits in the, on that spot where it's like our ego consciousness or this identity or this persona or whatever really, really wants to be in control and in charge of this ride. And that there is just something bigger, like whatever that is for you, you know, I call it psyche, you know, whatever that whole wholeness of who we are, that the unconscious is so much bigger than we are. And, and, and that we're just not in charge of all of this. And, and the getting out of the way of the identity thing is so huge. I mean, my God, Victoria, I could, you know, people who've read my book <laughs> know me and know it, but it's, I was so always searching for the, the label that was going to fit me and going to be the thing that I could land on. And like I said, watching my dad's career, you know, and him landing as this stand-up comedian, and not just any stand-up comedian, that guy who did that big thing, and he had that one role, and yeah, I was an actor a little bit here and there and did these other things, but, and I so wanted to just land somewhere and be like, okay, I, I, can I just stop thinking about this? Can I stop trying to figure out who I am? And I'm totally, I mean, why I love this book so much is because I'm so in your club. I'm so in the uh, there's no way you're ever going to put a label on me. There's like so many little phrases after my name when people introduce me because it's like, <laughs> I'm a life coach. I'm a speaker. I'm a, you know, a spoken word artist. I'm a writer. I'm a, you know, it's author. It's like, and yet none of that really explains who I am or what I do because what I've found through my current, what do you call it? The current, the, the through line, the, the inner current is that I know that for me, no matter what I'm up to, it's about taking off my persona and revealing my kind of messy, authentic humanity underneath in order to give other people permission to do that in their life in service of whatever they want to do. And, and as long as I'm doing that, whether I'm giving a keynote speech, you know, or, uh, or I'm teaching or I'm, or I'm coaching clients, you know, or I'm showing up on a, a comedian's podcast and talking about my dad, or it doesn't matter what the venue is anymore. That's like my job. That's, that's my job. <laughs> and yeah. And it, and it's, and it's not, you can't check it off on a box, on a form. There's going to be no form that says that. But it's, it, oh, there's, oh, there's another great thing you talk about here. Um, you say, I'm just, let me tell you, this book, people, has got like 600 gems in it. So you better fucking buy it. Uh, but there's this moment where you say, uh, you, and this is what I love. You make a distinction between, and this is what we're talking about, finding your purpose and finding the words to express your purpose. And that is the thing. It's like everyone, the purpose is already in there. It's just about how do we, how do we help you like land on it so that then you can language it. And there's something in the languaging it that is the clarity. That's because the purpose is already there, but the languaging it is so interesting and such an interesting process. Yeah. And I think it's sort of more of the, um, you know, current societal pattern over the last couple of decades where people are like, what's your purpose? Yes. Because we now feel we're, you know, uh, screwing up if we can't name it. And so that's exactly the part of the book mm. you're referring to. I say, you don't have to name your purpose to be living your purpose. Right. 
And that's this pressure that we have today to codify it in some fashion. And I hear you, I get the clarity piece 100%. We're on the same page there, but that I think is societally imposed. Yeah. Because, you know, it's just, we're in that kind of, you know, what is your why? What's your big why? Or what's your elevator speech? And, you know, how do you explain who you are? I don't think that was the case, you know, many, many years ago. Yeah. And so absolutely it's, it's, and this is really what the book is also about is that inner current. How do you know when you're on it? How do you know when you're off it? And there are various lists that I share about understanding that and that you can express your purpose in many different ways. You can express that inner current in many different ways, the way you do. Yeah. Right. But it's always kind of the same force in your case, as you would say, you know, showing up in my messy forms to give other people permission. Yeah. And I love that. And it's completely makes sense. Yeah. And I think for me, it's really helping people be the best of who they are. Like I create cultures and environments, whether it's in the groups that I host or little parties that I have or in the books that I write or the keynotes that I do, I give people that sort of space and again, permission to Mm -hmm. bring out the best in themselves to unlock that hidden genius. And that's what I love doing is helping people, you know, flourish. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's just there's just nothing better watching a person in front of you find their sweet spot. You know, it's just there's such joy in that. And just like the it's a shared it's just something about the sharing the aliveness and the magic of life and watching people plug in to themselves in that way. Just pure fucking bliss for me. Uh so curious about your thoughts on, you know, social media has been in our life now for about, you know, 10, 11, 12 years, right? And and we've all become little products or little brands or little presenters of ourself. And I just have, do you think about that at all? I'm, I'm just, I'm fascinated with social media and how it's changing our culture and how it's in some ways ruining it. In other ways, it's great. Um but this, because we were just talking about it, like, you know, that, that pressure to know what your purpose is, you know, and now everyone's got a pressure to fucking brand themselves. And, you know, and I run a business and I've got a big ass business coach and she's helped me teach me how to language these things and know which things work and land. And that's, it's all important stuff. And I've learned a lot and I've been in my discomfort zone for about three years now around all of that. And I get it, but at the same time as like the rebel artist person I am, I just want to tell branding and all that shit to fuck off, you know? So how do you dance with all of that? Because you dance with corporate people and all kinds of stuff like that. What's your own take on that? Yeah, I'm, you know, it's so interesting, this sense of the curated self, like let's show parts of ourselves, but not other parts. And, um, you know, I think brand is really something other people identify about us because we can all feel the inauthenticity of someone who's really over curated. Mm. You know, we've all seen those types of Instagram feeds and Facebook posts. And uh, I feel like the the best brand is, is being ourselves and whatever that is, because it's usually going to be filled with contradictions. And we know this, you and I know this from our work in theater. It's like, you know, the ax murderer who, who takes care of his pink kitten. Right. You know, it's that dichotomy. Yeah, And it's it's that unusual nature of people's personalities that makes them so incredible. And that's part of what I help bring out and that I love to help bring out. Because it's like, you know, if I'm coaching someone and they say, well, you know, I'm an executive, I can't show that I'm silly. You know, or I'm a housewife, I can't talk about that I ride a Harley motorcycle. You know, and it's like, no, 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 you can. This is what please I call do. the prism effect. Yeah. Right, please do. That's This is back to the crazy part. Like, what's that crazy part of you? Oh, I'm a housewife, but I ride Harley. Right? I'm an executive, but I'm kind of silly. And so someone who's a branding expert would impose upon that person some outside formation of what they think that has to be. Oh, here's the brand. This is the brand. You know, and it, it always takes away from, I think, the full expression of who we are. I'll give you an example. You know, because of my background in theater and coming from New York, when I was redoing my keynote sizzle reel and I was redoing my keynote website, someone that I hired to help me said, you know, I think your brand is really around theater and performance. And so just make sure that everything has that look to it. That seemed to make sense. It was intellectually savvy. But when I talked about these little characters and and for anyone listening, you can't see this yet, but as Kelly can attest to 
The book is first off, highly visual. By the way, first off, it's very short. It's very colorful. It's yes. highly visual and it's whimsical. And the whimsy comes from these little characters, a little figure that I drew and that I've drawn since the 1990s. Mm. And they illustrate the book and they sort of comment and even sort of these more puckered of men who've read the book say, I, you know, I, I just feel like these little guys are keeping me company along the way through the book, you know? <laughs> so, right. And so the book Risk Forward, this book that we're talking about, when I first started to write it, I said to this guy that I'm mentioning, I said, you know, I'm thinking of bringing these little illustrated figures that I use and, and populating the book with them. And he said, well, that's not really part of your theater brand. That doesn't fit in to the performance brand. Like, what does that have to do with that kind of New York performance? And I was like, well, I guess not. So I didn't. And the initial drafts had mostly photographs, like full bleed photographs. It was sort of stock photography of like a moon and, you know, a, a, a forest and sort of themes from the book about your trees. And, you know, there was a section earlier in an early draft about the moon, something I talk about in my keynotes. In any event, I then had a few of the little characters that were on some of the pages and my early readers, this is going back a year and a half, were like, you know, anyone can put photos in Victoria, but these little characters, these are so you. Like you've been drawing these since the 90s. They're so fun. They add such life to the book. They're original. And I thought, all right, screw quote the brand. I'm bringing these little designs in. And that's one of the things people most love about the book. You know, the layout, the whimsy, these characters. So go figure. Had yeah. I not trusted the, the early readers who said, you know, this is you. And one thing everyone has said who's read this book, for better or for worse, are like, this is so you. Like, this yeah. is all of your joy, your profundity, you know, your expertise, your playfulness, your, your, your sweetness, your, you know, your seriousness. And it's all in this package. And I think that's a scary thing for anyone is to kind of show who they are. And I was scared writing this book. Like, I thought, oh, people are going to judge me for not being as serious. You know, but I thought, <laughs> damn it. If I'm going to risk forward, I yeah. have to, the book itself was a risk forward mm. to write it, to write risk forward. I had to risk forward. Mm. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I just, and it is, those little guys are just, um, you know what it does? It, um, it brings the little kid out in your, in the reader, right? You know, you're just reading it and going, oh. Oh, there's these little people and they're here. And then I won't, I won't blow up. But the end of the book is really, really so profound because of that, too. There's this impact, this visual impact that happens that all of you find people are going to have to find out about. Um, <clears throat> just to wrap things up here. So here you are. You've been working a year and a half on this book really you've been working your whole life as they say uh on, about these things and so where are you now what's your next edge what's your next risk forward you know I know you got the book tour and blah 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 but is there something stirring in you is it more of the same kind of work and you know and I just want to say just as a person and for other people out there who are coaches like me and stuff like that when you go to your website Victoria it's like holy shit this girl got it going on. Like, you know, you're like, I feel like you're my sister who's like five miles ahead of me. And I'm like, okay, I'll be there soon. Don't worry. Uh, but it's just, it's so inspiring for me because it's, it is so you. And yet it's also so well done. I just want to say from all the business stuff I know. But so where are you on your personal journey here with this? What is your precarious next step for yourself? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure yet because I have a few ideas. I feel a real commitment to getting the book into the people's hands who most need to see it and hear yeah. it. And that's all types of populations. So that's my first focus right now is really uh, making sure it touches the souls it needs to touch. And we're, we're working hard to get it out there and in, into all kinds of people's hands. So that's really the first thing. And then I have other wisps of ideas that are <laughs> right across my mind, nice. which some of which I want to keep private for, you know, all the reasons I say in the book, you have 100%. to be careful, right. Yep. Uh, but I also want to see what happens in a few months, because this book is like a magic carpet ride. The people that are responding, people I never would have thought. So I have a feeling it's going to take me into places I couldn't have imagined. Yeah. And when I get 
a little farther along this magic carpet ride. Then I'll see if those wisps are still the ones I want to follow or if some new ones have come along. So uh, I'm I, like ready for the adventure. Yeah. And, and I love that. I love that, you know, there's this phrase I use a, a lot, um, but just I think it's a different way of what you're saying a little bit. But there's this thing I always say to people like, you know, you take a step and then you have to pause for a moment and look around and really get the new survey of the land. Because every time you take a step, you're slightly further down the path. And it may, you may think, oh, it's just one step. It's going to pretty much look the same. But you've moved the whole universe with that one step. And so you have to ask, well, what's needed now? You know, and that's, yeah, and that's the phrase. And it's a real openness, too, of like reading the space and letting the space talk to you about, well, what's needed now? And 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 I first learned it in, in a leadership uh, training where, you know, you, you kind of put a question out to a group and that something happens in the room and something is now sparked by it. And you have to then go, OK, well, we might have had a plan to go that direction today with all of this. But now this other thing has come up and you really when you ask the question, what's needed now, you really are honoring what's in front of us right now that's presenting that wants our attention, that needs our attention. And so that's what I hear you saying is like, the book is going to have a splash. It already is splashing. What is the splash going to look like? And in three months, you'll really know that, you know, and then you'll be like, all right, so now where's the current taking me? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. uh, Yeah, well, uh, Victoria... I really, I could, um, I, I, if I was your neighbor, I'd be at your house every day <laughs> pestering you. Let's do something else. <laughs> Let's party. Let's play. Uh, really, really so, so happy to reconnect with you today. Very, very deeply. And, uh, and looking forward to, because I really am in this, in my own, what I call the liminal space. That's how I talk about it with my clients. I'm in, I'm in the limo. I'm in the betwixt and between. Even though there's a lot of things set, I can feel it in my body stirring. And so I'm really excited to have some new concepts and some new ways of leaning into this and some new metaphors for it and and to to read it. You know, I, I, I always read the book for the interview and it's like, okay, I'm going to read it for the interview and I'm going to be the good interviewer. And now I'm looking forward to actually reading the book for me. <laughs> So I may be sending you a little email here and there. Hey, Victoria, <laughs> God, this has sparked in me. Uh, what do I do now? Uh, so, so, so anyway, thank you so much. And just blessings, blessings, blessings for this amazing ride. And this book, like you said, to reach every soul and every heart and every mind that will spark something, spark the genius in each of those people and those cute little figures in the book. Just, you know, I see them just kind of, spreading across the globe and touching all of our little lives. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And on that note, if anyone's wondering whether to get like the audio book or an ebook or a hardcover book, I can't encourage the hardcover book enough because those who have held it have said, this is going to be something I keep on my shelf and come back to. Yep. Years later, I want to have it by my bed. A mutual friend of ours, Kelly, said, I'll keep it in my bag. I've had it on my desk at work just to help with my team or my thoughts. Or it's like this prompt when I need it, I just open it to where I want. Because the book can be read in any order. It's just something you can dip in and dip out of pages. Chapters are just a page long. So it has that real accessibility. And so, yes, it's meant to be out there in the world. The little characters will spread around the world. <laughs> light up people's souls. It's meant to be a book of joy and uh, and permission and fun. So. Yeah, and something the world really needs now. Uh, I talk a lot on this podcast, not just about personal growth and stuff, but really what the collective needs and where we are as a planet and as a species and as a country. You know, we all need to risk forward into the new whatever we need to create in order to really make the future that we know is possible for all of us. So, it, you know, in that way, it's a beautiful gift to humanity, you know, if we could just all meet in risk forward circles in our neighborhoods. <laughs> well, on that note, I will say that we have a community, a risk forward community for anyone who buys the book right now. So 
go to riskforward.com slash book. And you can read all about it, especially depending on when you listen to this podcast, there are special treats available. So do not wait. I won't give a date because of course, I don't know when people are going to listen to this, but go to riskforward.com forward slash book and join us because it's awesome. Cool. Well, I'm going to join you. And even though I got the ebook in order to read for the interview, I, uh, I'm going to pre-order my book because I want the hard, I want that in my beautiful library here. And it'll probably be one of my books by the side of my bed also. The stack of books I, I peruse all the time. So, so excited. Can't wait to see it actually in the on the page, you know, with the paper and, and all the great images. So thank you so much for being here today. I really uh, so appreciate you and so appreciate what you do. And like I said, fully, fully inspired as a human and as also a woman who's stepping into my full genius. So uh, thank you so much for being here. Gosh, I so appreciate you. And I'm so grateful we're connected. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, give kisses and hugs to all of your loved ones for me, please. I will. (laughs) Right back at yours. All righty. And have a great day. All right, sister. I'll see you soon. Okay. Bye-bye.